You are listening to Utah Zone, the Bison Barnes podcast, presented by Fan Nation All Youth. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. New episodes will be released periodically throughout the 2022 season. Welcome to the first episode of Utah's own the Bryson Barnes podcast. My name is Cole Bagley. I'm the publisher of the Fan Nation All Utes webpage and your co-host for the episode. I am joined by Utah's own Bryson Barnes. Bryson, how are you doing? Doing good, Cole. How are you doing, man? Good, man. We uh, got to spend some time together yesterday at the uh, Across the Green Golf event. Um, got to meet some fans and, and see how, how bad you guys are at golf. Uh, there was just a few... <laughs> There's a few that uh, I was impressed with, but overall, it's a good thing you guys play football. But um, how did you enjoy yesterday? Oh, man, I had a great time. It's always good to go out with the fans, be able to, you know, associate with them and just get their thoughts on what they think about last season and kind of get them pumped for this season. And, I mean, just talking football and golf at the same time. I mean, golf's just like a relaxing sport. It's fun, frustrating at times, but – when you suck, it's not as frustrating because you know you sucked. But no, it was it was a great time. I had a good time uh, hanging out with the fans and working on them golfing skills for sure. Yeah, the golfing skills are something that'll just have to be developed. But um, oh, overall, I thought it was a great event. It was a lot of fun to get out with fans, to talk to them, to to hear their thoughts on the season, like you said, and then to spend time with you guys. I think. Um, What's really wonderful about the world of, of NIL is it's opened the opportunity to get to know you guys. You know, you're not just a, a name and a number beneath a helmet out on the field, right? Like, yeah, you're, you're people. Um, just like everybody else, you have uh, personalities and interests and passions and really cool stories. And um, that's part of, part of why we're here today is to, to get to know you a little bit better and uh, give the fans um, you know, just kind of a something to, to listen to before we jump into fall camp, which, holy cow, it's a couple days yeah. away so we'll jump into it's a little preview of fall camp at the end of the episode so so uh stick around for that but to start bryson we kind of wanted to give you an opportunity to you know introduce yourself a little bit more i think a lot of people now know who you are after what you did in the rose bowl um but to get a little more detail so just tell us about you know where you're from and, and what it's like there so go ahead the floor is yours man so i mean yeah as, as everybody somewhat knows you know i grew up in a small town just in southern utah uh, if anybody's driven down I-15, they know where Beaver's at. Milford's located 30 miles over the mountain to the west. And, I mean, just kind of to reiterate, you know, it is a super small town. I kind of grew up out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, my closest neighbor was probably about 100 yards away, and that was the only neighbor, really. And I crossed the street into the south, and then Milford's about three miles out, out of town, you know. So I grew up kind of – pretty much in the middle of nowhere you know a lot of people don't understand what the small town life is like and you know my graduating class was about 38 kids one of the biggest ever come through the high school wow and, was everybody on the football team then oh yeah yeah a large majority <laughs> I mean that, that is the good thing about the small towns is uh students are able to kind of get involved in all sorts of different sports because at the same time you know you've got cross country so kids that aren't big football fans know they're able to run cross country if that interests them as well and so kids are really able to get involved but yeah like like you said thing near every kid in the high school plays football I mean I want to say my sophomore year we probably had like 50 kids out and there's like 127 through 12th so I mean like every boy comes out and plays football so that was kind of like something special you know everybody that's something everybody could kind of bond over you know you go to school with your friends and you 
it's almost just like a time for all of us to go outside and hang out, you know. Right. And, I mean, yeah, that's really – there's not much to miss in Milford. There's no fast food, no stoplights. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's not much to say about it, man. Oh, it sounds uh, sounds like an interesting place. Um, and you, your wife is from there too, correct? Yeah, so she grew up in Beaver. So she, okay, she's, so she grew up in Beaver. She's the one everybody drives through. I'm sure everybody stops at that Dairy Queen. That's actually where she worked at growing up, so – Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, if you guys ever have an opportunity, you have to check out the place that Bryson Barnes will make famous, uh, Milford, <laughs> the city of Milford. So uh, Bryson, tell us a little bit more about your, your high school experience playing football. Um, did you always play quarterback? And, and if so, you know, how, how did that go? You know, what, what kind of accolades did you reach and what kind of a player were you back then? So yeah, my, uh, so I started my freshman year. Uh, we kind of had a guy, playing quarterback at the time and so I was kind of actually rolling in through receiver so I was kind of like my job was kind of like backup at all the receiver positions and stuff and was also kind of like backup quarterback at the time and then week one the running back goes down and our quarterback was a pretty good athlete so we put him back at running back which put me at quarterback right at the end of the game week one and I mean that was really kind of it I mean week two they I was kind of like the starter-ish. They like put put him in for three drives and then was like, all right, you know, let's put Bryson back in, you know, because I mean, I was a freshman at the time playing varsity football and, you know, it's a different game than eighth grade Little League football, you know. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, once that happened, I mean, really never looked back. I mean, I was quarterback ever since then. You know, we went to the semis that year and they're getting beat. And then we returned like, I think we graduated like three guys. So we came back pretty loaded my sophomore year. We were able to win the state championship my sophomore year. What class? What classification did you guys play? Was that one A or two A? Or we were one A. One A. Okay. And 1A, who did, who did yeah. you play in that state championship game? So it was Duchesne. Duchesne. I'm sure everybody, you know, Duchesne. I'm pretty sure they have the still the longest winning streak in Utah football history. Mm-hmm. You know, they're you know they're. they're they're always a powerhouse, you know, they're always a team you got to be worried about. And they were actually the team that beat us out my freshman year in the semis. And gotcha. so when we came back my sophomore year, you know, it was kind of like the rematch, you know, they beat us out. And, mm-hmm. and we actually played Duchesne in the championship my junior year as well. <laughs> we got the best from there too. Nice. And, and then my senior year, they got rid of 1A football and combined 1A and 2A football. So like at the time, uh, Milford was, at the time, I want to say Milford was the smallest school in high school, smallest school in Utah that played football. Because wow. a lot of a, lot, a majority of the one A schools play fall baseball, hmm. and so I mean there's there was really only like three legitimate one A schools. The rest of them were two A schools that played one A football. So gotcha. some of the ones that had lower numbers in two A, and so they ended up getting rid of one A football and combined one A and two A. So there was no more one A. It was just two A football. And we ended up making it to the championship, but got beat by Beaver just over the mountain, right? And yeah, just the, the number difference. Like they're rolling dudes out in and out on the O line, D line. We've got eight guys playing both ways, eight out of the, out of the 11. So I mean, yeah, we definitely got fatigued and got smoked my senior year. And <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of, that's kind of like the summary of my high school. You know, I got all state and stuff. I was able to get my name in the record books a little bit. I, Got the touchdown passes record, and and then I was like second and third, top five, and a couple other things. How many touchdowns was that? 
130. Wow, that's awesome. Well, so that's kind of how the high school went. But what was like, what was the recruiting like, you know, for you personally? I mean, everybody's different, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it it, pretty much every single guy recruiting is just a different story, you know, and it ends up with a, you know, a different outcome. Um, So what what was that like for you? Oh, it was kind of interesting because I mean, like, yeah, you've heard of the recruiting process, kind of what you've got to do. And so everything was just a learning process. I mean, like I didn't have a coach to be like, oh, hey, you need to do this and this and this to get exposed to these colleges. You know, I really had to go out and kind of do things. Me, like me and my dad, we would drive down to California because we're like, oh, we're going to this camp. Like we're going to kind of test the water and how things are going to be done. And sometimes going to, you know, traveling all over the place isn't probably the best way to go to boost your recruiting. You know, there are select camps that do help your profile build, right. but, you know, in doing that, you know, we were able to learn like what kind of camps do help, which don't, you know, we were able to pick up information and get like letter templates to be able to send out to coaches. So everything was just kind of like testing the waters, you know, we never really knew how the whole recruiting process worked. And I mean, at, at the time, you know, coming in like my sophomore year, like we'd, like I, I had like SUU, they would come like the the local colleges in Utah would kind of swing by the high school like they do in the off season. Right. And so, I mean, I was kind of meeting up with, you know, like Weaver, SUU, maybe Utah State was in there somewhere. And then as, you know, I started to become a senior, you know, things kind of started picking up and I, I was able to get an offer from Western Illinois uh, FCS school and you know, then I, I was able to get walk-on offers to Utah, Washington State, and then just kind of like local schools as well. You know, SU ended up offering me, Utah State offered me a walk-on. They came in late before signing day. And I mean, the Central Michigan was actually, they actually flew out to Milford. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the last time I heard from them. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I, it was interesting because like, I understand at the quarterback position, you know, that, that it's a big gamble to take. I mean, oh, yeah. you're pulling a dude out of the smallest ranks of football besides like eight men, you know, like that's about as small as football as you can get. And especially a quarterback, you know, that's not a position you really want to kind of dink around with. And so, yeah, <laughs> once, once they found out like, you know, like my like class size 38 and they come out like, Oh man, this town's a square mile. Yeah. I'm out. <laughs> like, so, I mean, definitely the small town did work against me in a lot of recruiting aspects. Right. You know, we had one coach, I mean, say, I don't care if he's Joe Montana, I ain't gonna, I don't want the kid on the team. You know, wow. there, there, there were some, there were some harsh comments made towards the small town, which, you know, it, it is a gamble. And that is something I'm grateful for Utah. And they were, and Scally was just always on the phone, like, hey, man, we need you, we want you here. Mm-hmm. And kind of made me feel one and didn't really hold that small town, you know, aspect against me. Yeah, I mean, it certainly helps being from the same state. Um, you know, their exposure to you is probably a lot higher than a, a school like Central Michigan. Yeah. Um, and, you know, while it is definitely an unfortunate thing, like when you think about in terms of recruiting and especially quarter, especially quarterbacks, you know, those rooms are not deep, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not you know, 10 to 15 guys, right? Yep. Like it's it's just a handful. One dude, one, and one dude plays. It's not like receiver where you can right. get maybe – two, three, or four, right? you know, and maybe, you, maybe you've got five deep and you're rotating the guy in every so often, you know, and right? there's one position. And like you said, there's not a whole lot of depth either. Right. So there's not, not a lot of leeway. And I guess trying to, to 
figure out why they would hold that small town against you is, you know, being from a small town, the school is going to be smaller. The classification that you're playing against is smaller. The competition probably isn't as good as playing in a 5A or 4A even. And, mm-hmm. and so that's probably really what it boils down to is just, you know, the exposure isn't, isn't great. And then, you know, the competition provided because of the small, you know, the small field of town and the size of the school definitely, you know, doesn't help. But you've proven that you can play. You know, you, you've shown everybody that it doesn't matter where you come from. You know, it's all about that development and, and you know, putting that hard work in and whatnot. So um, tell us, were there any other details you wanted to share about, you know, how you kind of ended up at Utah? I know, you know, you and I have talked and you mentioned there just a minute ago, yeah. Morgan Scally was was pretty big. Was was he recruiting you to a different position? You know, was he trying to put you on the defense or, you know, how did that kind of come about? Yeah, so Coach Pua, the old D-line coach, he uh, he was kind of like over the in-state recruiting. And so when, when it comes to, to that, that was a lot. Of, he was a, a, I, I was in contact with him quite a bit. So when it came to like me getting invited to come up to some games, you know, I was in contact with him. And then Scally was like, he's the one that offered me the walk-on spot. He was like, hey, like, man, like, shoot me a call. So Scally was really like proactive getting me up there. I There was never talk about me like hey come up here and play safety for me i mean to me that was my that, that was my assumption you know right scally's and, calling you it's probably yeah where, yeah, he, where so, he's trying to put you exactly i mean like because i got the time you know i'm coming out of high school about 185 pounds six one and you know like i mean you think a small town i'm a wrestler and so i mean rep, quarterbacks don't wrestle i mean <laughs> so, like i kind of like caught the vibe a little bit but, you know, I wanted to come up here and just, like, prove to them that I could play quarterback. And if I and if I flat out couldn't, I showed that I could not play quarterback, you know. I wanted to prove that I couldn't play quarterback before I would move a position. Right. And, but no, Scally, Coach Scally, I mean, he was great at recruiting. He was he cared deeply. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, want, he wanted me up here. Like, he would, he'd shoot me a call after the visit. And... The one, the the thing that really won me over was him. Him and his son were down at the Super Bowl. And it was like the, the Chiefs were playing down. I can't remember who they were playing that year, but he's down there in Miami with his kid. And so it was the the day before the Super Bowl. So it was that Saturday. I went on a visit and I was sitting having ice cream or Costa Vita or something with my family. And you know, Coach Scally calls me. I'm going, what Scally call me for? Like I, I'm pretty sure we had a previous conversation that he was down in Florida. Right. And well, he just called to talk to me about how my visit went, you know, and wanted to make sure that he was reaching out, you know, and asking about that. And I was like, like this dude, he legitimately cares. Like he took time out of a, a really big deal. I mean, you're down to the Super right. Bowl with your son, you know, that's, that's not something that's just like. Right. Those I mean, guys don't get a lot of time off either. Exactly. And so the fact that he did that, that was kind of like, all right, this, that's kind of where I need to go. That's kind of where my heart was going as well. So that just kind of like sealed the deal with it. Okay, so your first year was that whack COVID season. And yeah, then, that was tough, um, man. Yeah, and then this last year. So um, briefly briefly take us through then what that walk-on experience has been like for you and how you said you, you wanted to prove that you could play quarterback, and you've done that, you know. So how, how has that kind of – how did that unfold? You know, how did that, how did that go? You know, just briefly telling us how that yeah. kind of happened. Yeah, so I mean, preferred lockdown, that was something that I had never personally heard of. I mean, for example, when I was talking to my teammates, you know, one of my one of my good friends, I was my teammate in high school, he's in the, he's headed to the army and so he heard PWO, he thought it was a POW, 
He's like, prisoner of war? And I'm like, <laughs> so like, I just love something I had never heard of. And so right. I get in here. Yeah, I mean, all I did was it was an opportunity to go play at the highest level. And that, that was, at right. the end of the day, that was kind of like what, you know, what made me really want to go here. I'm like, I have the opportunity to prove myself that I can play at this level. Right. Power five and, program that's playing. Yeah. You know, they had just played in two Pac-12 championships. So. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And so, I mean, I got here and I mean, everything was just so, it was normal to me, but I just like talking to the guys, you know, they were like, no, this is so weird. I mean, we're hardly the facility. Everything's split in half. I mean, we're running in masks, we're lifting in masks, you'd sweat in your mask and just trying to, yeah. it was just, it was a mess. I'm sure. And, and just trying to guide your way through being the new guy in COVID. And I mean, all of it's a blur to me. I, I Maybe I wrote it down about what it was like, but not from what I can remember, man, everything was just a blur. Yeah. And the thing with the walk, being a walk on, you know, you have to work like crazy. Cause I mean, the coaches have their investment in those scholarship players. And so you have to prove to them that you're worth their money, worth their time. Right. I, I mean, I think, and I don't mean to cut you off, but walk-on is a challenge, even in Utah that, that does, a, yeah. I think a great job of respecting the walk-ons of, yes, of giving you time. Those, you know, you're not, you're not just some punching bag. You're not some yep. kid that it's like, who the hell is that? I don't care. <laughs> Get him in this rep so we can have lights, you know, these guys can clean his clock. Yeah. That's not that's not what Utah does. But just be just because of what a walk on is, regardless, it, it's still tough. Even though I think Utah does a fantastic job. I mean, look at there's a ton of guys that are walk ons yeah. or that were walk ons that are now yeah. big time contributors. Devon Bailey, Corinne Reed, walk ons. Utah has treated walk ons well, but it's still a challenge. I'll I'll, I'll just yeah. say that and let you kind of continue with where where you're going. No, yes, you hit it right on the point and. It, like never once was I ever felt like I was treated like a second class citizen either you know like you said I, I wasn't the punching bag you know and like obviously dudes have made it through the ranks and you know that's currently the process I'm in you know Devon and Rene have each earned a scholarship coming in from walk-ons you know they they both of them obviously betted on themselves I'm sure they had opportunities to go elsewhere Right. and you know so that's currently the process i'm in and so like, i'm excited for it like i'm grateful utah was even able to give me the opportunity in the first place and i mean i just, i'm just ready to continue that process and just keep working so one day i can get that scholarship definitely well i definitely think you're you're on track for that um and a lot of that had to do with with what happened last season now last season was was crazy like just the things that happened you couldn't believe I mean obviously you have those tragedies you know you you lost two teammates you know that's that is so hard not just to lose one guy but to lose someone that was so close to him nine mm -hmm. months later right so you you had those challenges and then of course you had everything going off the quarterback situation I mean again you, you couldn't make these things up right you have you have Cam Rising, you know, who's been with the program for a little while. He started the year before in COVID. You know, then you have Charlie Brewer come along, and he's this Baylor quarterback that set these records, that's helped a, a big program, you know, go to a big bowl game, that, you know, not too long long before that. And he comes in, and they battle it out. And they're, you know, they're going along. Brewer's name starter. Doesn't turn out. Rising replaces him. Then it's Jaquin and Jackson that we're thinking, oh, that's QB2. The season goes on. And we're in Pasadena. Cam goes down out trots number 16 Bryson Barnes but can you kind of tell us before we get before we focus on that how did you how did we get to that point <laughs> yeah just like you said I mean there, there was a lot to unfold in that last season and I mean just to start it off you know 
you know, they wanted me signaling and they, they had me at the third string at the beginning of the season. That was kind of the mm-hmm. talk. Now I was kind of set there. And then I'm sitting in class after San Diego state and stuff. And I get a call from my old head coach saying Brewers leaving. I go, I have no idea. Like, where is this coming from? You know? And then sure enough, you know, Twitter blows up and he's gone. Right. So then I'm like, okay, would that mean I'm back up? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, it's through the coach's off as well. You know, that, I mean, that's an awkward position to be thrown in. You know, your starter just dipped. Your, your backup is now the starter. But then you've got three, three quarterbacks that, 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 that were pretty even, you know, at the time, I would say. There was me, J.J., and Peter Castelli at the time. Right. And, and I mean, J.J., he's, he's, you know, he's got a lot of tools. They were able to use him at wild, like, as a wildcat quarterback against Washington State. Mm-hmm. And... And I mean that that gives defenses something to prepare for because they don't they don't really know either because I'm pretty sure everything that gets released is like a two deep situation, right? And so like I mean like when we're scouting out a team you know we're fo- well, you know we're focusing on their starters and their backups you know you, right. very very rarely are you starting to dig into the third strings unless something you know dramatic happens and and then just as the season unfolded you know I was I was kind of bouncing back between two three and then they needed me to play scout team to give them a good look. And like everything was, I mean, it was just a mumble jumble mess. Like, I, I don't think any of the quarterbacks really knew where they stood at the time. Right. And then obviously as the season kind of started going, uh, they did have me at QB2. And, and then Peter Castelli ended up leaving later in the season. Right. And when was there like a conversation that like they jump on a call and they're like, hey, Bryson, you're two now? Or like, how did you, when did you know, like, all right, like I'm backing up camp? Like, when did, when did that happen? Uh, man. It was just kind of like the reps at practice, I would okay. say, you know, and, and honestly, like at the time, I would say it was, it was a, it was a continuing competition at in season for that two spot. Mm-hmm. Like if I, if I was sucking it up at practice that week, you know, I'm going to get less reps and, you know, JJ is going to start taking some reps, you know, they, cause they need, you know, you need a guy that's going to be able to show up that week. So if you had a bad right. week or you were struggling, you know, that guy was right there to replace you. Right. And yeah, I mean, it was it was just it was just a crazy season, man. Definitely, for sure. And like I said, I mean, and I think you know, being in the media, like we we all kind of assumed it was Jaquindon most of the way through, um, mm-hmm. and then you know, but we didn't really need a backup, and we didn't see a backup yeah. really come yeah. in a lot. You know, I mean, Cam was healthy, and Cam was on fire. So you know, yep. we didn't we didn't really see who it was. You know, and. Uh, I think didn't you take you you took a knee at the end of Colorado? Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So it just for us it was just kind of like, okay, so we've seen we've seen some wildcat from JJ, and then Bryson takes his knee, but like Cam's fine, so nobody was really thinking about it. Yeah. Pacto championship happens, and you, know, you guys you know, you whoop Oregon again, and then you're going to the Rose Bowl, and, and again you're not really thinking about it because Cam's healthy, he's fine. Yeah. The game's going on, Cam goes down late. And I, I remember when he went down, sitting in the box, and you got you, know, you got guys like Josh Newman and Josh Furlong, Steve Bartle, all those guys. Everybody's like, okay, who's who's coming out? You know, where's it coming out? And I can't remember exactly who it was, but then I hear it's Bryson Barnes, and I'm just and I, I got to look at the depth chart, man. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is this the pig farmer kid? Like, I think okay, yep, this is the kid from from Milford, right? Like, I had never seen you play. Um, and so it was like, I was like, I don't know what we're going to get here, you know, like, and that's no disrespect to you at all. It just no, was like, sure. we didn't know, we didn't know what was going on. Um, but no, then legitimate. you come into the game and 
you orchestrate a 57-yard drive, six plays, two minutes and 28 seconds, you cap it off with an incredible touchdown pass to Dalton Kincaid. And we got a tie ball game. Um, and obviously everybody knows how it ended. You know, yeah. Ohio State Ohio State drives it down the field, they kick a field goal, it's over. And I think we kind of all knew that that was going to happen. But uh, tell us, like, take us through that crazy experience where you were able to put your name on the map. Yeah, so, I mean, everything, like, leading up to the Rose Bowl, I mean, so, like, our, our my wife was able to come down to the Rose Bowl with me, and I'm sitting there, I'm going, like, this is so weird. Like, I, I had this weird feeling that I'm going in. Like, I don't know why. And so, like, not, not that, like, that changed my, you know, my preparation leading up to it, because, I mean, it, that could have happened anytime during the year when your number's called. You know, so you just have to be ready regardless of whether you're going to go in or not. And you're never going to regret being overprepared either. And right. so, like, just going into that week, you know, you're just going through your preparations, you know, making sure you're ready. And, I mean, we go out there, and, I, I mean, I, like I said, that weird feeling the night before, I was like, I don't know what this is about. Because, like, I'm like, this, like, you know, in my mind, you know, like, yeah, this is the biggest game Utah's ever played in. Right. You know, Utah's made to the Rose Bowl, and we're playing Ohio State. Right. But it was just like, nah, that's crazy. I mean, like, Cam's been good all year. And then we go out there, fourth quarter's rolling around. He goes down, and I'm looking at him, and I, I can't remember what happened, but, like, his arm went up or something. And I was right. like, well, he for sure has to come out for a play. Right. And so, I, you know, I started taking – because I signaled the plays, and I, I've got my vest on. And, you know, so I started taking my vest off. And I, in the head that, you know, Coach Ludd goes, you know, BB, you're up. <laughs> oh, wow. And – and I mean, that was just really kind of in. I remember looking at like Keegan Margrax, he was right there, you know, he's injured on the sideline. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at him and then I, you know, I see Devin Loy, I see Bam. And I'm just kind of like looking at these seniors like, man, like, I don't want, this can't be over. Like, this, this can't be how the season ends, you know, Cam goes down and everything falls apart. So my, my mentality, like, you know, it wasn't, I mean, you didn't, you didn't realize the fans and the 90,000 people and, I mean, even just like the stage you were on, you know, right. none of that, none of that even mattered. It was just about like, you know, you got to be that glue to keep things together. You know, I didn't want the seniors to go out on something bad, you know, like I want this whole fourth quarter to be lost. Let me, let me, let me just stop you there really quick with a question. How, how did you tune that noise out? Cause like anybody that plays sports, like it's hard not to get inside your own head, you know, mm-hmm. and not, and in, in, in any setting, even if it's just yeah. some, even if you're just playing pickup at the church, last basketball, you know, yeah. you chug up a couple shots, you miss them, and you're like, "Well, I'm not shooting anymore." You know, <laughs> yeah. how how did you silence the noise of you're 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 replacing Cam, you're playing in Pasadena, you're playing the Rose Bowl against Ohio State, you're on national television, and this is arguably the biggest game that the University of Utah has ever been involved in, and you're you had not taken any reps. How did you silence all of that noise? Man, like, like I said, like, it, it just never got to me. Like, it was just, it was, uh, you got to be focused, you know, and I was, I was more focused on getting the job done than it was for everything else. And I mean, honestly, like, thinking about, you know, pressure, wrestling growing up, it, I mean, that, there's always a lot of pressure in just mental games. I mean, you're looking across the gym, oh, man, that guy's pretty big, like, <laughs> like, am I going to be able to beat him? So you're sitting there playing mind games with yourself, but once you're on that mat, I mean, you know, you either have to attack or you're or you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I would say 
like mental training in wrestling growing up with that mentality of just like, you know, you got to go get it done regardless of who it is, what they look like, you know, what their record is, you know, you just have to go out and do. And so, I mean, I, I think it kind of little things throughout my life prepared me for that moment. You know, I don't think it was just like, all right, Bryson, get in the zone, you know, turn that X factor on, you know, block out the noise. Like it was just, you know, you got to be that glue. And then, I mean, I remember looking at like the offensive lineman and I was just like, I just had all the confidence in the world. And I was like, oh, I'm for sure not getting touched. Mm-hmm. And, and Covey was right there. And he was kind of yeah. telling me, you know, what he, you know, the conversation that, you know, Covey was really good at like communicating with Cam, like, Hey man, this is what I'm seeing. Like we call this play, this is what I'm going to do. And he immediately started up and talked to me about that, you know, so we kind of started building like, you know, connecting like mind to mind type thing going on. See, that's not something that I don't think we really heard that before. Like, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that um, Britt was was doing that with you. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Cub was right there, man. And, and I mean, that just shows like what a veteran leader does. You know, like, oh yeah, like, something goes wrong, but now it's like, all right, this is this is now the replacement. We got to keep things rolling here. So let's let's. This is what we're doing. This is what we got to do. And just kind of, he also kept things rolling. Do you remember anything else from that? from that scoring drive is it a blur or is it like you can remember every detail and you know how many how many steps you took and you know how many yards you went like like what what do you remember from that drive yeah so like like you said like some things are blur but then it's like I really like kind of get into it and think about it then I'm like oh yeah I kind of remember now like for example like when we started uh we were handing the ball off early and I think that was like the coach's way of kind of like you know getting my feet wet a little bit right a couple handoffs to Tavion is what I remember but yeah, and so then we came out the second drive and kept handing the ball off until we threw when we needed to throw, right? Mm, and that right. whole time, like, I'm handing the ball off, I'm kind of, you know, carrying out my fake around the edge, and there's no respect around the edge. I'm going, like, I am this close from, like, high school and this thing and just keeping that ball. But then, like, <laughs> yeah, I would see that. I'd be I, – I have a plane ticket to Milford, man. I, I'd fly back into Salt Lake if I pulled something like that. But – then we, oh, it was like third and one or third and two or yeah, something. Yeah, you had a couple third down conversions. And, and didn't you have a fourth down? Yeah, yeah, I don't remember for sure, but we had a read option. And like, I, I, I knew the DM wasn't expecting me to begin with. And then I just remember looking at him and, you know, had the read. So I pulled it. And so that's, that's one thing I do remember, just kind of like the things leading up to that. And then, you know, obviously the communication with Covey, which I got you know, PI with him and then the completion for on like third down or something with him right. as well, you know, so like we, there, there was also conversation going on there. And, and then, I mean, I just remember that I underthrew Dalton the first time and then I came up and I got the exact same look and I was like, no way. Like, okay, I mean, I missed the first one, but this not going to happen again. again. And so yeah, I just remember you know, I'm looking up there. Safety's kind of to the left side of the field. I'm like, all right, got to hold him there. And number 14, I believe, was the safety. And in our weekly study, you know, we were looking, you know, watching film. Like, all right, 14, he's pretty freaking good. You know, that's kind of like their better safety. And but I'm going like, no one's, no one's one-on-one in Dalton, man. Like, no. <laughs> that ain't happening. And so then it was just like, hey, I, I know he's going to beat him off the line. I just got, I just got to make sure that safety doesn't make a play on the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think he was kind of, I think they were kind of more doubling Covey. I think is why he was kind of cheating over that side. And so, yeah, I just let it go up to him. He was able to catch right in the back of the end zone. Yeah, it was, it was an incredible play. And 
like I said, I mean, we didn't know what to expect. And then you, you're just, you're moving the chains and you go a little over 50 yards and then get that 15 yard pass. And, and we, we kind of saw how that unfolded too. You know, mm-hmm. we saw the one-on-one and we're watching it and, and I kind of see you, I saw, you know, I'm, I'm seeing your body language, watching your head. And I see, I'm like, he sees him, he's going to hit him, you know, and, and he's not going to make, like you said, you, you underthrew him a little bit that first time they gave it to you again. And it was like, why are they giving this again? Like it wasn't, yeah. they didn't stop the last one. He just underthrew it. Yeah. But they gave yeah. it, they gave you it again, the same read you hit him in stride, you know, diving beautiful pass out, out of the you know reach of the defender. And then obviously one-on-one Kincaid's not going to be beat anyways. And, and he brings it in and you guys celebrate. It was just, it was awesome. Um, I think even though you, know, you guys end up losing the game and it's unfortunate that you didn't get another chance. Um, it just, it, it was an incredible moment and, and it put your name on the map. Um, you know, people didn't know who you were. And then in comes this freshman walk-on who's all he's done this season is taking a knee and he looks just as good as the guy that was out there before him. Um, you know, we didn't have to just run the ball. There was a lot of good passing and obviously he capped it off with, with uh, an incredible pass. So what was, you know, we'll transition into, into, how spring went for you here in, in a sec, but what was kind of the reception from the fans after you did that? I mean, obviously Utah loses. Um, so it was a disappointing outcome, but yeah. How, what, what were, what were people saying to you? How, what was it like to be the guy that kind of came in and wowed everybody? Like what, what happened after that, after you threw that touchdown? Yeah. I mean, like obviously my phone blew up between people who had my number and I'm pretty sure some people gave my number out. Uh, I mean, then social media obviously is blowing up because, you know, here we are. We've got a freshman walk-on who, who was pig farm, and you know, that was kind of like the biggest thing was the pig farm. Right. I was like, what? Right. Pig farm. And so, I mean, like, yeah, my phone blew up. I, I, I mean, the fans, you know, I don't, obviously I didn't get, like, a negative comment or anything, but, I mean, the fans were obviously super excited, and I was glad to, like, you know, give them something at least positive, even though it wasn't a win. You know, everybody, you know, kind of took that as like a glimmer of hope and excitement for next season instead of like, man, we lost, like this sucks. Like I'm not even looking forward to next year anymore because we just lost the Rose Bowl. And, right. But yeah, I mean, I, I, well, like I, we talked about the lunch, you know, I, it was, my wife kind of was like, you know, your phone is blowing up like crazy. And I took the time to go and kind of reply to everybody who had, you know, said like good job or something just because it was like, man, like this, this happened, you know, and I want to be able to make somebody stay, you know, and so I had some people you know, yeah. text back like, Oh my gosh, you actually text back. And so it took me a while. I mean, my phone on the Sunday, I think is what it was after we got back. I mean, it was just on, it would just buzz and buzz and buzz. And I was like, Oh, it was a, it was a lot but you know the fans were great and I you know was able to like build my profile and kind of you know meet some different people who I've never met, would have never met before and just kind of build relationships so I, like I'm grateful for that opportunity and everything that has come with it as well yeah I mean I remember jumping on Twitter right after the game um I actually was I, I carpooled out to Pasadena and um, I, I jump in the back of the car and I wasn't driving. So I jump on, I'm writing some stories and, and I, you know, I've been in the press conference. I'm able, I just, I went, I go through the press conference. I'm tweeting out notable things and, and, uh, you were the talk, man. Like obviously people were, were disappointed and whatnot, but you know, the bright mm-hmm. spots, 
and, and people were asking, you know, how's Cam doing? And, and Witt was pretty quick to answer. Oh, you know, he's, he's all right. Like, uh, obviously he didn't come back in, but he's doing okay. And he'll be fine. It's yeah. not anything, you know, long-term. And, um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple, you know, noteworthy quotes about you and your performance and, and those things blew up, you know, those were thousands of likes and retweets and all those kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. So it was, it, it's just crazy how you can go from, you know, nobody yeah. knows who you are and all of a sudden, you know, you're kind of a celebrity, right? Like yeah. crazy how it yeah. happens, but now you're building on that, right? I mean, you, you, you showed what you can do. You showed that you can play quarterback at a high level in a power five conference on the big stage. How did spring ball go for you? Uh, spring was great. I mean, I was able to kind of hit the ground running and I was able to kind of build off the experience because like that last year was like, the fall of 2021 was the first time I had traveled with the team. I, I hadn't traveled anywhere else. And so I was able to get exposure to the offense and how that looks in season. And so I was able to kind of have that knowledge and experience built to come into spring, which, you know, definitely helped me in the spring. But, you know, spring went great. You know, it was – I definitely, you know, was able to gain a lot of respect from my teammates and – I, you know, I felt like spring went really well. Definitely helped prepare me for the fall. You know, I was able yeah. to learn, learn different things. And, I mean, just having more time to learn from Cam as well. Right. I mean, you know, that's a guy who's been – he's been in the system, and I think, a year and a half longer than I, than I was. So he obviously mm-hmm. knows things, sees things a lot differently than I do. So me and him definitely get together and kind of feed off of each other. I, you know, definitely feed off of him and the experience and – leadership he has and yeah. yeah just like you said spring you know spring went great you know good to end on and then with the spring game you know spring game was a good time so yeah yeah you had a great performance and I mean one of the biggest questions um throughout spring and the, the one of the biggest questions that people were kind of the media and everybody was looking forward to in the spring game was is Bryson consistently good you know was mm-hmm. Was the Rose Bowl just kind of some weird heat of the moment thing, or can he play? And you prove that you can play. Um, you know, you, you come in, you have 157 passing yards on nine for 18, two touchdowns, and game high 47 yards on the ground. So showing that versatility, you would have had more if you, uh, you know, wouldn't have, <laughs> if you wouldn't have created some uh, some issues there on a 55 yard touchdown run. If you would have kept your mouth shut, no, I'm just. <laughs> I, I got only a Pac-12 ref would uh, call you for a unsportsmanlike conduct against your own team in a spring game. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually right. had people like, "What did you say? Like, did you say something?" Right. And I mean, I looked at him and I smiled. And I was, you know, like, "Come get me!" It was Drew Rawls, and so I was like, "Come get me, Drew." So I was just smiling at him, and he ended up looking at me right about like the three-yard line or so. He did. Right. He, he he even laughed, and Paul was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like I when I scored, I didn't know they threw a flag. Yeah. I'm running to the sideline, we're like, woo! And all of a sudden, I'm back out on the field. I'm like, yo, what the crap? <laughs> well, we all thought it was maybe a holding. You know, I mean, we thought uh-huh. that there was maybe a you know a yeah. holding or an illegal block in the back or something like that. But then it comes on, and it's you know, on sports with like conduct number sixteen. You know, team white. Uh-huh. We just start laughing. <laughs> we're just like we're just like what who who calls on sportsman like in a spring game on the same rock these guys are buddies these guys are friends and and so so we we at fan nation all youth we got a video of the whole thing yeah and, uh, right. you know we, we can see you you know 
strolling in and and we we see you look back and we we you can't tell if you said anything or not but as you turn you just got a smile on your face and i take your <laughs> yeah. word for it i'm i'm sure you're just smiling at your buddy you know give him a look of yeah you missed yeah. you missed your your tackle and guess what i'm gonna score a touchdown buddy so <laughs> Uh, it's all good fun but yeah like i said you you definitely showed that you can play at this level uh that was one of the biggest questions and you answered it um which which is fantastic i mean i think you know with with you and and jj and preston guys you know brandon rose nate johnson um this is one of the deepest quarterback rooms i think in program history you know obviously Mm -hmm. cam at the helm but um with that being said what are you looking forward to this season yeah, like, like you said, like our, our QB depth room, I mean, it's the QB depth in the room is, it's great. I mean, you know, these new guys coming in, you know, they're really kind of starting to see the culture and kind of how we do things here at Utah. And, you know, even just like, even just me and JJ, you know, we're able to feed and learn off different things that we're doing. And, and the new guys are able to kind of take the experience that what we're getting, kind of what we're screwing up on or what we're doing well you know, they were able to kind of see that as well, which I think helps strengthen the whole room itself. Mm-hmm. And then, and I mean, as far as the season goes, I mean, I, I mean, I, I know I've got high hopes and the rest of the team has got high hopes, not even hopes, goals. Cause I mean, tactical championship was just like the, the tip of the iceberg of what we can do. You know, we showed that we could go toe to toe with Ohio state, put up 45 points, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it, it's not, it, it's not a problem for us to put up numbers in the game. You know, we're not just going to run the ball and keep things about 35, 28 points right in there, you know, just kind of run the ball and, you know, beat them up. You know, if we needed to, we're going to put up 45, 50 points a game, you know. And so I, I'm, you know, I'm really excited just because, I mean, we bring a lot of dudes back, weapons. I mean, even dudes that were, you know, were able to kind of show their worth last season. For example, Devon Bailey, I mean, the dude – I, you know, I anticipate him having just a breakout season and being an instrumental part along with Solomon Enos, Duncan Cade, Brant Keithy. And then you got Tavion McKay and Chris Curry in the backfield along with the freshman Jalen Glover. I mean, like, there's just so many bright spots in our offense right now and even defensively. And, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team this year. We, you know, I know our goals are possible championship minimum. You know, to me, that's right. the expectation. To me, that's the expectation right. for the team now. Yeah, you the know, floor yeah. is the floor is redemption in the Rose Bowl, right? Like that's yeah. that's the floor, you know. Yeah, and so it's if we're not going back to the Rose Bowl, we're going to something bigger, mm-hmm. and that's that's the mentality. You know, that's been the mentality since spring, because you know at the end of the day, Rose Bowl was cool, but we still lost, and so you know you've got to view that as a loss, right. and you know use that as fire to kind of <laughs> light you up a little bit and get you excited for the season. But man, I like it's it's going to be a fun season for sure. For sure. Um, you know, obviously it's a bit of a different situation for you. Um, you know, we, we've, we've talked with guys and you ask them about their goals and a lot of those guys are going to be seeing a lot of reps um, and not because you're not talented, but you've got a really talented guy ahead of you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as long as Cam stays healthy, um, we might not see a ton from you this year. But with that being said, you know, you could still come in if you're kicking the crap out of a team and get some reps at the end, show what you're made of, or, you know, God forbid Cam goes down or something, mm-hmm. there's a good chance your name's called. But yep. just with looking ahead of the season and the role that you're in right now, mm-hmm. what are your goals? You know, what are you looking to do this year um, behind Cam? 
So, I mean, obviously, you know, I got to secure that QB2 spot. And, I mean, I've just got to be prepared for when that moment comes because mm-hmm. I can sit here and <laughs> blabber and boast all I want about how we want to make it a college football championship and win the sucker. You know, if Cam goes down, I've got to be able to be that guy to keep things rolling. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've got to be, you know, I've got to be, I can't be just competing to, you know, be the backup. You know, I got to be competing every day as if Cam were to go down first play week one. I mean, I'm knocking on wood, but, you know, I've got to be prepared for when that moment does come so we right. can keep things rolling and still achieve those goals that we're setting out. You know, I don't want things to fall apart. So it's kind of like the same mentality with the Rose Bowl is, you know, I got to be ready for when Cam goes down. Mm-hmm. Except, you know, hopefully this doesn't happen, obviously. But, you know, if it takes place week five, you know, I've got to be ready to roll through the whole season. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's not something, you know, that we want to see happen, but if it does exactly. to your point, like that's, that's the mentality you have to have. Like that's, yeah. that's your role. I'm sure that's the role that the question that the coaches have asked you to have is, Hey, mm-hmm. Bryson, in case something happens, you gotta be ready to go. And obviously, yeah. you know, nothing's been announced yet. You know, we still don't have mm-hmm. an official QB two. you're, you know, you're in the middle of that race. And um, in terms of that, like, how do you secure that spot? You know, what what kind of things are the coaches looking for? What things do you feel like you need to do um, over the next, you know, few weeks? Because my assumption will be before the season starts, we should have a good yeah. idea of, of who it's going to be. So how do you how do you get get that um, uh, into that into that role? I mean, I would say like what the coaches are looking for is someone who can execute the offense at a high level and have confidence in doing so. And so I got to show up each and every day, just kind of, kind of just take care of business, you know, keep putting the work in and because hard work always is going to pay off in some form or another. And so, I mean, I've got to keep doing the things that are going to build that high confidence and be able to have me execute the offense at a high level. You know, I've got to be able to run the offense, you know, essentially just as good as Cam, you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, if I'm able to run the offense as good as, as good as Cam, you know, then I'm obviously putting myself in a good position to do so. And so I just think, you know, take, taking care of every little thing day by day and just one day at a time and things will unfold the way they're supposed to unfold. Well, we'll definitely, uh, you know, have our eye on you. We'll be, we'll be in touch often and, and uh, hopefully getting you on some, some more podcasts as the season goes on. It'd be fun to get your perspective and on certain games and, and uh, outcomes. And, you know, even though you'll be playing behind Cam, you obviously can still add, you know, good insights. Mm-hmm. Hey, we might ask you questions. Hey, how did this play turn out? Well, let me tell you. So uh, the fans can definitely look forward to, to hearing more from you. Uh, Bryson, something we kind of like to do at the end of podcasts is give um, top fives or rankings and stuff like that. Do you have three games this year that you're kind of looking forward to? Are there, are there three games on the schedule that you could circle and say, you know what, I am really excited to travel, you know, out to Gainesville, or I'm really excited to be here against USC. Are there three games that you're kind of looking yeah. forward to? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously forward to week one, you know, we got to take care of business. And I mean, this is just getting the train on the tracks. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we start off, we start off hot against Florida. You know, that's just, that's pushing the the train down the rails going downhill. That's how I see it. Good downhill in a good way though. You know, like you, <laughs> uphill you gonna, but downhill, <laughs> uphill, uphill but downhill. Like you ain't gonna be right. able to stop this train that's rolling. So right. I'm, you know, I'm excited. Like I said, getting that train on the rails. Definitely. A week one against Florida, but I mean USC against home. You know, I'm ready to. Mm. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just ready for that game. We'll keep it that. <laughs> and, and I mean, I mean, even then, just traveling up to Oregon. You know, that's. 
I mean, every like every little kid to me, I mean, you'd look at Oregon like, oh, they got the cool flashy jersey. So you, you always kind of like have that little that little fan for Oregon. And so I'm, I'm excited to go up there and see their, you know, their facility and the field, be able to play in Eugene. You know, they were on the street. They've got the loudest student section and fan base, but. I doubt it. Second. <laughs> and they're, they're they're all they're all bandwagon fans anyways. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody that was uh, jumped on the bandwagon back in the you know from 2010 to 2014, they've now decided <laughs> to go there. So they're not real fans. But no, yeah. I think those are those are definitely three games to circle um, for anybody listening out there. You know, Florida to me that's the biggest game of the season because of the opportunity it presents to stamp. Utah's name as a top program, a top team, a top five, a potential top five team for the rest rest of the uh, of the yeah. season. You know, if you guys go into Gainesville, you walk out with a victory, maybe even a uh, you know a comfortable victory, maybe two three possessions. You guys might find yourselves in the in the top five, at, at minimum yeah. the top ten. And if you can just keep winning each and every week, you're just going to keep climbing. And if that college football playoff is a goal, it's got to start with a victory. You know, to yeah. beat an SEC team, even though they haven't been great as of late, it's still a national championship program. Yeah. Um, so that would be big. And then, yeah, USC is big just because of everything that's going on. Like you said, you kind of want to leave it at that. But, you know, for a team that thinks that they're bigger and better than the Pac-12, if you were to go in, you know, and show the Big Ten why that was a mistake by, you know, beating them up by, you know, two, three, four, five possessions, eh, some people might take notice of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously Oregon, too. You know, a lot of people are thinking that Oregon's going to be magnificent this year and and even ESPN, that's so ESPN has said that you guys are going to go 10 and 2 and that Oregon's going to be a loss. And I just shake my head at that one because I'm like, well, you beat the crap out of them last year, two games in a row. You put <laughs> yeah. up seven, you put up seven more than 70 points over over two games. So I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand that one. So, but those are that's that's a good list you got compiled there. And I, def, I definitely would agree with those that uh, those three, those are definitely the ones to look forward to. So, uh, Bryson, thanks so much. It's been awesome to hear from you. Um, we're excited for you. Like I said, we'll be uh, anxious to see how things turn up in, uh, in regards to uh, the QB2 battle. We wish you the best of luck, and we'll see you up at uh, Ball Camp here this week. So uh, best of luck to you, my friend. All right, yeah, thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me on. All right, thanks, man. Thanks for listening to Utah's own The Bryson Barnes Podcast, presented by Fan Nation All Utes. This episode was produced by Lyric Clark and Cole Bagley. Please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you enjoyed the show, please share with a friend. Go Utes.